Okay, welcome to Angel Wing Dialogues. This is Sachin uh, Karnik here with uh, Dr. Chetna Krupalu. Uh, she is the founder and CEO of the Angel Wing LLC program. We are going to engage in dialogue. Um, today's uh, exploration is really ab about what is meant by a dialogue. What is a dialogue? It's called dialogue about dialogue. So it is a conversation that she and I will have about the need for exploring big questions of life and also just day-to-day -day questions of life in a way that is going to be transformative, meaningful, uplifting, and meditative. So what is meditative dialogue? This is our question for exploration. There's no one answer to this question. There are multiple possible perspectives on it. I will be sharing some of mine. I will ask Dr. Jaitna to share hers and we will kind of move into uh, a, a conversation to explore further what is meant by meditative dialogue. So to start out with uh, Dr. Chetna, there's two words here. It's a combination of meditation and dialogue. Uh, dialogue is a conversation between two people. Two people, when they converse, they're using language, obviously. And the goal is to try to understand one another. So when I'm, for example, trying to convey something to you, if I'm having a conversation with you, your understanding of what I'm saying should be ideally at the same level of my understanding. That's, that that's the purpose of communication. If I'm trying to communicate something, then my internal thoughts, ideas, and then the words that I'm using, then the way that <laughs> you're listening to it, your understanding of it, usually there's a gap. So, so part of dialogue, is to come to that same frequency of the individual communicating what they really want to communicate and the recipient understanding it the way that that, that has been communicated. So this is the beginning of the process. Uh, and in fact, in fact, the whole process in dialogue has very much to do with this. So this is what is meant by dialogue uh, in my mind. Uh, and then, then, then there's a second part is meditative. That is the meditation aspect that one is looking within and seeing what is happening, the activity within, while one is listening to another and listening to oneself. These are the two basic concepts of a meditative dialogue, uh, or what it what it actually could be. Uh, your your thoughts on this? No, absolutely. So this is not a um, general discussion or where people are agreeing or disagreeing um, and then finally everybody takes a consensus of who agrees and what or what not this is not that kind of a discussion this is more for self-exploration which is more of providing a space for people to um, go deeper than 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 their mind and um where the mind can be silenced and they can be, it's, it's that's why it's called meditative, where after silencing the mind, but through the dialogue, one can really get insights about whatever we are talking about at a deeper level, which they didn't, didn't know they even had it. Uh, because when we are normally thinking through with our mind, of course, we're using a mind to some extent, but um, not completely, because mind can be at different points in different 
you know, different uh, times of life. And it will give you different answers for the same question. So this is more deeper than that. So um, it is just providing the space and um, more like reflecting or meditatively um, deeper than the mind, beyond the mind, uh, where insights come up about uh, these things. And so it's uh, more of an active form of meditation. Yes. So along those lines, um, there is there is a certain amount of activity psychologically, mentally, we have within ourselves that is called self-talk. So self-talk is this internal self-chatter, inner chatter. Sometimes it's called the internal soliloquy. You know, soliloquy is where a person is just talking as like, you know, in front of an audience and you're just, just, just one, one actor essentially. So we all have that internal chatter, inner chatter, internal self-talk. Part of the goal in a dialogue is to bring about awareness of that inner chatter. So there's a distinction or a difference between using that inner chatter to try to convince someone of a particular viewpoint or a particular conclusion. You know, so for, for example, if I say that I believe in God, as an example, just as an example, it could be anything, it could be some political thing also, doesn't matter. If I say that I believe in God, that's a conclusion, and I am putting that out there trying to justify that conclusion. But if I am trying to become aware of my internal beliefs, internal thoughts, internal self-chatter, then I would, I can pose the question, what is my belief in God? What is belief? What is God? What is truth? What is consciousness? What, where, wh what is my perspective on that? And the awareness of that internal perspective, internal chatter, internal belief. So the awareness of it is what the meditative dialogue would bring about if the question is, what is God, right? So in meditative dialogue, a question is posed. This is the way we have constructed this approach. So a question is posed to open the question itself rather than simply presenting multiple conclusions like in a workshop, let's say. For example, if I was to give a workshop on atheism versus theism versus agnosticism versus pantheism, whatever. We can have three, four hours of workshop on that, all the different positions and ideas on that. Those are all conclusions by other people. Fine, there's a place for that too. But a meditative dialogue is to see for oneself where are one's conclusions what type of a pattern of thought exists. So the patterning process, the conditioning process itself, what is conditioning? What is even meant by that? And, on, and actually preliminary to all of this is a clear understanding 
that the language we're using, the words are never the actual reality that they're pointing to. Right? Okay, so uh, your thoughts on this, Dr. Chetan? Definitely. Um, when we relax our mind or silence the mind or just go into relaxation mode, the first thing is to be aware of how your thought pattern is and what is going on in the dialogue. Like you said, am I trying to really be being becoming trying to become aware of my own thought patterns and then by letting go of thought patterns come to that point where insights come in or am i having the need or the desire from that fragmented mind or conflicting mind wanting to make a point or wanting to, like you said, convince X, Y, and Z about my viewpoint. And so one, one can even, one can even, or one gets a chance to even know what's going on in them. Because most of the time when we have like a conversation, for example, you're not getting, you're not having conversation from, you know, from the inner, innermost being. It is mainly from the mind level, which is usually about letting the other person know how much I know and my desire to convince the other person that my opinion is correct. And how can I make that other person look at it my way and uh, et cetera. So this is not that kind of a conversation or discussion. This is more of really, really observing yourself as what things come out of your mouth or through the thoughts. Of course, language is a um, form of expressing your thoughts. And when there's a cessation of this or the silencing of the mind, when there's absence of thoughts, what comes up? And that is expressed as your insight and there is no need or desire at that time to have to convince somebody of your viewpoint or opinion or uh, it, any anything like that. Um, and when you're listening to, at the, in that state, when you're listening to other people, uh, what they have to say, then you either resonate or you don't resonate and which is fine, either is fine. Because sometimes you might, because you're not all the same as we know, we have different opinions and different frequencies of thoughts. So, um, and that's okay. But if something resonates and that can lead to more insights, then it's even better because then there is a opening which comes up inside of us, which is kind of then, bigger opening to for the outpouring of more insights which is definitely deeper than the mind level yes so this is this is a, a good word insight uh, the word could mean uh, a a view of oneself of one's structure so one of the points that we try to 
uh, introduced in the meditative dialogue is that awareness of what we're it's the awareness of the structure of thought so so awareness of structure of thought has great um, liberating quality so the structure of thought means to see perceive the nature of my particular uh, psychological or internal or, or like memory oriented process or event so for example just as an example take the god example if i say that i believe in god the structure of thought regarding that would be my upbringing regarding that belief the images memories patterns around that belief all of that is part of the structure so the structure there, there's five things and we want to go slow with this there's structure of thought and emotion so so let's put it this way there's structure of thought emotion and memory and then we can also add uh, we can also add energy but that becomes a little bit more difficult to talk about uh, like structure of energy but structure of structure of thought itself is difficult to understand what that is just to understand it and then to move into that state but we can say structure of thought emotion memory then di di the dimension of it so for example if my belief in god just a monotheistic god in any in whichever tradition i'm using it as an example if i believe it strongly then the strength of my belief is is going to have a dimensional aspect meaning that the the dimension of that belief it, it's much it, it's ingrained inside of me it 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 colors my vision it uh, it impacts the rest of my life in many different ways so stru structure dimensions then the direction of thought so if i say that i really believe in a particular religious tradition I believe it so strongly that I'm going to try to promote it. So I'm taking my actions to try to promote that or to try to be to, to participate in that. That's a direction. Now this happens, I'm just using this religious example, but we can use relationships, you can use family relationships, career, you can use anything, it doesn't matter. This, this is true in everything. Structure, dimension, direction, then there's quantity and quality how much of it is occupying our mind, the qualitative aspect of it. How does it feel inside to have that particular type of belief or particular type of flow of energy? You know, so structure, dimensions, direction, uh, are, and all these other related phenomena are, are present internally within us all the time. And to really, come to a state of awareness of that. So awareness of where my thinking is going. And then what is the motivating force behind that? So we can use, we can add desire. So you've got thought, emotion, memory, desire. Desire is the wanting, the me, the I, other, other words might be okay, but there's a motivating force behind every action, right? So let's go through this a bit carefully. The structure, the word structure refers to, it's actually a word that we use 
for the physical objects of the world. There's a structure of a building, there's a structure of a car, there's a structure of a pen, whatever. Now, the same word is being now used for structure of the mind. Now, the same word that is used in the physical world is now used to try to grasp the structure, which would mean boundary, because every structure has a boundary. So every physical object has a boundary. So then the question would become, this is a, one of our questions in dialogue, does the mind have a boundary? That's the bigger question. Uh, your thoughts on this, Ajit? Uh, you're muted, please, yes. I mean, in the, the bigger picture, their mind has no boundary, obviously. But when you're looking at a particular thought and looking at that structure, then that thought has a boundary. The problem, what happens when we say mind has no boundary is when one thought links with another thought and then that links with another thought and so on. That is when it has no boundary because the mind the job of the mind or the ego mind is to connect them and keep it going so that it just is alive, you know, um, and that's what um, happens. But one thought has this limited boundary. There is only so much. So that is why when we do things like observation or awareness of mind or thoughts, uh, if we leave it, the thought as a thought, it may have one thought or maybe a structure of, you know, a cluster of thoughts, after that it disappears and you can silence the mind. The problem comes is when we give or add um, the charge or the energy to the uh, each thought and then the next thought you give it more energy and more energy and more energy, then it carries the momentum at that point, at some point, which is like a bullet train, which has very difficult to stop it at that time. And that is what happens to a lot of people when they say that my mind is racing. And that's what it means that you have given so much charge to these thoughts that now it's like, has no way of stopping the train. So, um, so that's what comes to me when I'm thinking of thought and, you know, the thought cluster and mind uh, um, in, 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 I mean, in a larger uh, extent. Yes, so there's another connecting point here and that is about conditioning. The word conditioning refers to our upbringing. It refers to um, the patterning within the brain, within the mind um, of experiences that, that we all have. So again, in meditative dialogue, the attempt is to bring about awareness of one's conditioning as opposed to trying to do something to that conditioning to change it deliberately directly in, in, or in some way which is a different matter but just the awareness that this is what it is this is the nature of my own conditioning and that is connected to the other idea of choiceless awareness so choicelessness is a state of observation without any bias as is of the truths of oneself. 
of the of the nature of the conditioning, nature of beliefs, nature of nature structure function of the internal psychological world. Uh, so choiceless awareness is one of the biggest ideas that we are trying to present in meditative dialogue that, that to uh, encourage each individual to move into a state of choiceless awareness. Mm -hmm. uh, so your, your thoughts on, on this. Absolutely. So yeah, awareness itself just means as a witness, just being there, looking at everything just exactly the way it is, not with filters or comparisons or relativity or any of that. So that is a developed habit because it doesn't happen. Most of the time when we look at anything, we just don't look at it the way it is. We, have, we usually look at it with all these filters, our previous experiences, our, previous, our, our belief system is required, um, whatever we have seen, then what people have told us, uh, what the media has you know, um, projected um, and things like that. So those are all the biases we create. Um, so the actual witnessing is not there. And so that is a cultivated um, habit or a cultivated state, which we wanna get into. And that is basically with everyone. Now, if I'm if I am in a conversation and I'm listening to somebody, I need to listen completely with all my attention, with everything, without any bias at all, just the way it is um, related, or just the way it is told um, or narrated. And if we do that, then we get to be. In a, in, in, in a state which can make it more expansive for us to um, learn so much more uh, than if we did with a bias, because then we are staying, then we return to the same state we are in. We're not really learning anything new. Uh, we are really, you know, um, if, we, if we let our conditioning come in the way of listening, then that can happen. Or if we, um, and then also if we're not doing the choiceless awareness, we tend to convince the other person of our belief systems and whatever we have. Uh, and and then there is no learning in that. So, so much can be learned um, or um, um, I think learned is the best way to put it or gain knowledge just by listening to somebody or listening to a group uh, with no uh, biases at all. Uh, because then we get to examine that um, in a whole different way than uh, if we did it with our previous, you know, so-called filters or biases. Yes, uh, yes, and thank you for, for sharing that. Um, there is so much to be said that when we are in a state of true listening, uh, there, there are two things that are happening in, in a meditative dialogue. There is the listening to somebody else in the group, whatever, that, whatever is being said, 
is being heard very carefully with a great deal of attention, focus with trying to see what they're trying to um, express. And then there's listening to the internal reaction to what is being heard. So listening has these two features that are interconnected. One is listening to what the other person is saying. So for example, Dr. Chetna, you're conveying certain things to me right now. So as I'm listening to that, you know, to what extent did I actually listen to the last three minutes you, you just spoke? You know, I, yeah, I, somebody was to ask me, I can say I heard what she said, but did I fully hear what she had to say? And can I, can I listen? What does it mean to listen without my own biases or my own um, perspectives interfering in the listening process? Can you uh, say something about this? I, I, let's go slowly with it because we'll do a bunch of these recordings to clarify all of this for all the new people that will be coming on for meditative dialogue because this is all part of meditative dialogue. The act of listening is a huge part of meditative dialogue. So please. Absolutely. It is very difficult in a normal state of mind to be a good listener and just listen without all these reactions happening in us. And um, decisions or opinions created in our mind, that is one thing. The second thing is also really paying attention without thinking of what happened yesterday or what happened, what am I gonna do after this conversation in the future? Because most of the time we're not here in even otherwise, you know? So there is different aspects to it. Being present, wholly with the whole being in attention in complete mode of listening is very um, vital so when we are getting into meditative dialogue one has to prepare some you know in a way um, where you have meditated before and set an intention um, of not letting anything come in between um, which is external as well as internal. So um, is important because um, especially internal, but external matters too, because if you're distracted, then it's hard for us to focus. But the internal of obviously is what we're talking about means that we have not come with intention already into the dialogue of saying that I am going to make everybody believe whatever I have to say, or um, everybody has to agree with what I have to say, or my desire is to convince somebody of something. So everybody who comes in really needs to let all that aside and be completely in the pure state of just listening with no bias at all. So, and when they say things like, in my experience, we don't want that in fact, because experiences create a certain set of um, you know, um, thought process brings you to a state um, which is completely different from being in attention or paying complete attention to the conversation or the dialogue. I'm sorry, not conversation, the, the dialogue we are in. We want everything set aside and come into the state where you're completely neutral 
you are ready to listen uh, completely and just leave it at that for that moment. And uh, even not coming out with conclusions, uh, not, not needing to help the others to reach a solution and not having the need to heal people or help people, even that's a problem sometimes um, because that is not the idea here. This is idea is even for the person, even if there is a person in the dialogue needs um, some kind of, uh, I wouldn't say help, but you know, to facilitate, we, we will be better off facilitating this whole dialogue in a way that the person actually finds a solution himself or herself by providing that space and really listening to them. Uh, because it's that even vibrationally that helps um, uh, people in the dialogue um, to do the same. Because when we are distracted, we come up with the come, um, come in a different frequency of vibration or um, you know uh, thoughts, which actually doesn't um, provide that state of uh, people to go into that um, meditative you know state. So that listening is most important for us to understand, um, which is not just like a discussion. Yes, uh, thank you for those beautiful uh, statements. As I was listening to you, trying to listen attentively, um, what was coming up inside of my inside of my mind right now? Because we are having a dialogue about meditative dialogue. You know what is what what is meant by meditative dialogue? Um, there is so much freedom available in in the space that. Uh, one is in, in a group of people that are openly probing a question. Like right now you and I are probing what is meditative dialogue? You know, we have certainly some notions of what that might be, what it is perhaps. Uh, and obviously to have a program of this sort, we have to have some basic concepts in, in place. Uh, but even those concepts can be questioned. There's, there's not, necessarily a preset formula that meditative dialogue is just these five ideas or 10 ideas and then everyone just has to stay with that it's not of that type we are even exploring here what is meditative dialogue uh, and and that is how pure dialogue works it begins by exploring what is dialogue it's called dialogue about dialogue you know and then and then from there specific questions are probed into further so in listening to what you were just saying, as, as well as trying to present to the general public what is meant by meditative dialogue from angel wing perspective at least, there is the whole question of the fragmented life. You know, so there are some key points here, things like conditioning, and we'll talk about this further as we move along. But this is just, these are some overview recordings here that the word fragment means to split. That's what a fragment would mean. So if I, for example, see within myself that there is a fragment of thought or a fragment of memory, again, this is a word that is used in the physical world, like a fragment of a piece of cloth or a fragment of some physical object or some piece of a physical object, right? Isn't it so? 
But so this word frag, the, a fragment refers to a slice of, a piece of something that is whole. So for example, if I have a napkin, like a, uh, just a napkin and I have a fragment of a napkin, right? So that means I have a piece of, of, that, of that thing. Now, fragmentation is where there are pieces upon pieces upon pieces that are, have been split apart either from the whole or they have just been, they're just split trying to come to a whole. So the so there's two words here. One is what what is a fragment. The second word is what is fragmentation. And then of course there's a whole series of questions beyond that. What causes fragmentation? What can prevent fragmentation? What can stop fragmentation? Uh, who is stopping fragmentation? There's 50 such questions come about in dialogue. So we won't go into all that here. But we, if we just stay with these two words, fragment and fragmentation. Achetna, we want to say something about this. So fragmentation means that it's a piece of whatever. You know, if it's a broken glass or, you know, a, um, a big um, or part of a whole picture. Um, um, so that itself means that it's a part of something or a piece of something. Now, fragmentation is a process where it's split into pieces or split into different parts. Um, so if we look at our mind, we definitely are fragmentation of the mind. There is no doubt about that because all the chatter, all the, the mind chatter we, we have or the talks, so-called self-talks we have, is only arises because of one part of the mind talking to the other, which is different from the other. Otherwise, where is the conversation? You know, you would be silent, you would be quiet because there's only one mind. But because of the split state, um, and that's because of different experiences being, I mean, registered or as memory in different parts of the mind, we have this fragmentation. And so we're not able to use our whole mind as one, um, which gives us these multiple thoughts and multiple views about the same thing. And um, which keeps changing um, depending on the state of mind and um, et cetera. So um, this is definitely a reality in, humans, in a human mind. Yes, uh, uh, thank you for those uh, very interesting comments. Yes, so as I uh, contemplate and listen to what you're saying, there is, there is also the force of desire, the wanting, the, the psychological me, which we have not talked about so far in today's recording, the me that is put together by all of the experiences that we are brought up with, our sense of identity, our psychological identity, there's a me that Sachin is there, that Sachin wants something to happen. So there is motivation, the force of desire, there's energy within desire that then propagates and 
promotes my activity towards different experiences in life, right? Isn't it so? Yeah. So now many, you can use any example. You can use a very small example, like, you know, just wanting to get something to eat or something to drink or whatever. These are, there's some very day-to-day -day life examples and there's bigger examples of this phenomena of the me and its activity in life. Obviously that needs to be there. So there, in our, in our dialogues that we've had so far, many people in the dialogue have talked about what's called a functional me. You know, the functional life that we have. We have a life with family and with kids and with pets and with work and, and all the objects around us and the world that we live in. We have that and we have to be able to navigate through that in the best possible way. So most people in day-to-day -day life want a peaceful, harmonious, tension-free, good quality life. If not everybody, most people want that. Mm -hmm. So a life that is lived in the, while one is awake, while one is alive, a life without fragmentation, what is that life? See, this is a fascinating, and as, a, as an intellectual question, it's a fascinating question. As a meditative question, it becomes very real for us. You know, so, so the reality of life, to make it actual, the actuality of living a life without fragmentation in the world of diversity, in the world functionally with our family and friends and job and all kinds of things are around us. So, so there is a transition from fragmentation into a state of wholeness. And meditative dialogue has very much to do with this transition. In fact, if we were to say, if we were to put the word goal in quotations, of meditative dialogue, and I don't, I'm, I'm hesitant to use that word, but just for the purpose of language, I'll, I'll use it to make things a little bit more clear. That quote, a goal would be to facilitate a transition from fragmentation to a state of non-fragmentation, which is a state of wholeness, whole living, complete living. Your thoughts on this? That is the purpose of a meditative dialogue. Um, even if we don't lead lives, but, but continuously doing this kind of meditative dialogue, which is like meditation, which is a different form of meditation, is to come to a state where you're using one mind without the fragmentation so that you can actually go deeper and get inspirations um, and creativity to actually do the things you're born here or you're on this earth to do or your purposeful living and joyous and peaceful living. Because when your mind works as a whole, then there is only joy, there's only one state. It cannot be two states. So this is um, very important for us to realize that it gives us that meditative state 
And when you are done with the dialogue, you are gone with possible, um, in a possible state, which is more expansive, which is more open um, beyond just the mind and the thoughts and probable solutions to problems which was occurring um, from your own insights, not from somebody else's telling you what the solution is. Um, and these are the benefits of uh, a meditative dialogue where you want to be at the end of it. Yes, so the word solution, and we'll stop in here in just a few minutes here. <clears throat> the word solution is used when there is a corresponding word that we, that we also use that is called a problem or a situation or something that needs to be resolved. That's where the word solution comes into place. In life, human beings, most of us are looking for solutions to all kinds of situations, problems, issues, difficulties, scenarios, whatever. Um, again, in a meditative dialogue, the solution erupts from within oneself through the act of attention, the act of awareness, the choiceless awareness, seeing things clearly brings about a natural resolution and solution, or what sometimes is known as an internal awakening, an inward awakening, a radical awakening, a radical transformation, an awakening of intelligence, and an awakening of, of, of good quality energy. So many ways this is described. So this transition from fragmentation into wholeness is, an, is a state of living a life, ultimately is, is living a life that is so steady and clear that there is no damage done internally uh, because there's no fragmentation. Fragmentation causes damage, right? So if you can make some just closing comments for today and then we'll continue this later on, so. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the you know, the, as I said, the, the final state, you want to come out of a dialogue um, and hopefully when you do more of it, stay in that state for a longer time is to become really good at coming, paying attention, full attention to whoever you're listening to um, and master the art of listening um, to, to the state that your whole brain is one, your whole mind is one. And that is a beautiful state to live in because there is only one state. Like we were saying, it is peace, joy, um, love, whatever you want to call it. There is no fragmentation at all there. So that is the state we want to be in. Okay, very good. So we'll uh, stop here for today and we'll continue yeah. further next time. Us